So I want to talk today about uh, what it means to experience or how do we find the presence of God? Because I think for a lot of people, the idea of uh, the presence of God or that experience is an emotional feeling uh, where you, you know, that welling up, um, but it's not always the case for everyone. And certainly I just want to start it from the very beginning saying that there is no one single manifestation or one experience of God that is the correct or authoritative or right way to experience or relate to God. Um, the Bible gives us a whole bunch of different things about this, but I think somewhere in, in, in church history, people started saying, well, this is the thing that really means that you've experienced God, or this is the thing that makes it a true experience. And I just, I'm just not convinced by that. Um, so right at the beginning, we obviously have, uh, with Pentecost in the early church, the Holy Spirit comes and it's this incredible thing. And there is tongues uh, where people are speaking in different languages and there is like fire resting on their heads and there's a violent wind and it's, you know, it's a really big deal. Uh, but then shortly after that in Acts 2, Peter uh, preaches to the crowds and a whole bunch of them um repent of their sins and they you know, and they become uh, followers of Jesus and they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit is what he says, but it doesn't talk about any more strange languages or fire or wind after that point. So there's obviously a beginning part of that story and then it keeps going and it changes a bit. Uh, the same is true, like, so we look in Ephesians and it says the manifestation of the Holy Spirit uh, appears. Uh, I'll read it to you in Ephesians 5, uh, 18 to 20. It says, do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery, instead be filled with the Spirit. And then it, it characterizes us what that means here in verse 19 onwards. It says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you can see here the manifestation of the Spirit uh, and the outflowing of that looks like psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Uh, so like even the worship that we've just had, that is an expression of us interacting with God and experiencing something from Him. Uh, in Philippians 4, the experience of God is characterized as a supernatural peace. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice, so making it very clear that rejoicing is important. Then it says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near and do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the reason I go through that is just to say there isn't any right way to respond to God or the Holy Spirit or to experience his presence. But there are certainly things that we can do that will encourage us to have that kind of connection. Uh, I know for myself, I grew up in more of a kind of, I guess, charismatic, Pentecostal uh, kind of church background. So that for me, I kind of defined my experience of the presence of God through communal worship. Uh, and I know for a lot of us, that was kind of the uh, kind of heritage is where we did a lot of worship and uh, and that was where we encountered God. That was where we experienced God's presence, which is great and fun. And I know for myself, that's been a huge part of my own kind of faith journey. But it's much more difficult when we are isolated the way we are now, where we can't be in one place. Like we've done worship via Zoom, but 
by Zoom is a little bit different to doing it all together. We don't get the same kind of energy. And then the question is, well, uh, you know, like if we need the energy of all of those people being in the same place in order to experience the presence of God, maybe we're kind of, you know, kind of inventing it a little bit more than we are actually experiencing it. So the question is, how do we at this time uh, in the, I guess that the you know in our own living room when we are alone and we don't have all of the the resources that we normally have, how do we connect with God and experience His presence? Once all the props are taken away, once the uh, smoke machine, which we don't have, and the big light system, we don't normally have either. Uh, but once we take away all of the elements that create the uh, the the big experience, once we take those away, what does it mean for us to connect with God? I think that, first of all, our experience of God is largely defined by our posture towards God. Uh, God wants to meet with us. There's no doubt about that. And it's important that we then approach prayer and that we approach worship and that we approach faith in a way that has expectancy and a way that says, I know that God wants to connect with me. I think the Holy Spirit is poured out when we are when we willingly seek God and when we exercise faith. So when we rejoice, when we pray, when we sing songs, when we express gratefulness, when we turn from our sins, we are saying, "Hey God, uh, I'm over here and I want to meet with you." Uh, it's I know it seems easier to say, "Well, why doesn't God just grab me uh, and make it happen? Uh, why do I need to do anything at all? Why can't I just have an uh, an overwhelmed experience?" Uh, but that's not how healthy relationships work. Uh, I don't do that with my friends. I don't just grab them and say, you will pay attention to me now. You will uh, you know, engage with me now. And the same is true with God. If you were just waiting for an ecstatic experience to slap you in the face, it's unlikely that that's going to happen. Uh, now, I'm not saying there aren't cases like Paul had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. So it's obviously possible for God to do that. And I know that for many of us, we have experienced times where we felt God's presence and uh, but I think that central to our, our normal daily life of faith is that we need to willingly come to God and ask to connect with him. God's not going to open your mouth and force you to speak in a, uh, in a strange tongue. Uh, we have to be active participants in our relationship with God, especially right now where we don't have the same community connection to help lead us and facilitate us into his presence. I think that we have an opportunity now to develop a um, an authenticity and an honesty in our uh, seeking of God that we otherwise perhaps don't have, and we should take advantage of this opportunity. I just want to read to you a, a short section of scripture from 1 Kings 19. You may remember a couple of years ago, we did a, a whole series on uh, silence and solitude that was kind of based on Elijah, starting at the Mount Carmel event all the way through to when he uh, experienced God in the, in the still small voice. And that's the, uh, that, that little still small voice scripture is what I want to read to you now in 1 Kings 19 from verse 11. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain, in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. He went 
out and stood at the mouth of the cave, and a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? I think this is what we, in this time of, um, of not being able to get together and have that more corporate experience of the presence of God, what we're looking for now is we're looking for that gentle, still, small voice. That little voice of God just speaking into our heart where we just we experience and know the, his presence and his connection with us. And it's not a loud thumping. It's not, you know, gold dust. It's not feathers falling. Uh, it's not lightning and fire and thunder. It is a small whisper. That's what we're looking for. When we seek God, and this is uh, a challenge to myself as much as anyone else, because I'm, uh, you know, like I'm... Uh, not an emotionally stunted person. I know how to cry. Uh, and uh, But I also uh, am a very cognitive, rational person. So I struggle with faith at times because my rational um, side, even though it has absolutely 100% decided that I believe this and I believe in the uh, authenticity of who Jesus was in history, I believe in his death and his resurrection. Uh, so I have cognitively and academically, empirically satisfied myself that Jesus is actually telling me the truth in the scripture. But at the same time, um, God wants to connect with me, not just in that left side of my brain, that analytical thinking. He also wants to connect with our hearts and that more creative sensory experience of emotion. And I think that's when we, when I, like I want to experience the presence of God. I don't just want the cognitive uh, experience of certainty, which I think is kind of an idol, um, the idea of certainty. What I want is faith, but I also want to experience in my heart a sense of connection with God. So because of that, I need to actually push back against the the rigidness of the um, cultural things that I've been given, which is conditioning to diminish all of the impressions and intuitions and feelings and wonder that we are uh, by nature, by our, our godly nature built in his image that we are designed to experience. Our culture teaches us to disregard our spiritual person, personhood and pushes us to empower only our rational minds. Uh, but we can all identify experiences that transcend that right-brained empirical conditioning that we get from our culture. Moments where we have clarity and peace and joy and hope and inspiration and, and, and a sense of empowering or encouragement that simply can't be defined or categorized by our rational minds. Moments where we say things like, well, I just had a real sense of peace about it. Or where we say, I just knew it was the right time. Uh, or this just seemed right to me. Where we have this intuition or this gut reaction inside of us that is probably the Holy Spirit prompting and pushing and prodding. But... It doesn't line up with what we empirically can analyze. And I think it's in this place of emotional and spiritual vulnerability that we need to seek out, that we need to train ourselves to, to go to that place, that we need to trust in faith that God wants to speak to us. Because that place, I think, is where we are, a place where we are uniquely open to the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit doesn't engage our rational, critical minds. That's not what I'm saying at all. I think that actually a lot of my connection with God and my sense of growth personally comes from my relationship with God from the from that side of my kind of experience. I think when I read the Bible, when I uh, uh, understand the Scripture, when I have revelation about the Scripture, that's left-brain connection with the Holy Spirit. Just like when we exercise wisdom and discernment, that's a, that's a part of our relationship with, with God. Um, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives 
is mostly rational and intentional steps and processes and habits that we go about over time to express uh, love and peace and joy and patience and uh, kindness and faithfulness and goodness. All of those fruits of the Holy Spirit, that, that stuff that comes from relating to God is largely rational, critical, practical humility and steps that we take to grow as a Christian. So ultimately, spiritual maturity is about balance. Uh, we want to be sensitive to the subtle and emotive voice of the Holy Spirit, but also be tempered with the wisdom and discernment that comes from the Holy Spirit. See, if we are only stoic and emotionless, that doesn't make us mature. It actually just makes us cold and unfeeling. And at the same time, if we are always, always just being led to do things and not applying any kind of wisdom or discernment or appropriate restraint, that doesn't make us a spiritual giant. It makes us a spiritual wacko. Uh, neither of those extremes are going to produce a helpful, uh, mature Christian or build up the body. So when we study or when we pray, when we worship, when we seek God, we also need to apply wisdom and discernment to respond to the feelings and the experiences that and the ideas that uh, we feel prompted to in that time. So for me, I like to apply some really simple ideas to um, discerning or judging the intuitions or the promptings that I have. Simply the first one is, uh, this thing that I'm feeling led to do, is it something Jesus would do? Is it consistent with what I see in the life of Jesus? And it's not enough to say, well, it's consistent with what I see uh, in Elijah. Because uh, Elijah, he killed everyone that disagreed with him on Mount Carmel. Like, that's not what I want. I don't want to be a prophet that calls uh, bears out of the forest and that, you know, so that they can chew up the, some teenagers that teased my baldness, which I don't have, thankfully. Um, I don't, just because we see it in scripture doesn't mean that we know that, that that's something Jesus would do. So I like to line up the prompting of the Spirit in my heart with what I see and say, is this consistent with Jesus as my model for what God is like? Uh, the second kind of standard that I like to apply to feeling the that you know the the uh, that, that compelling of the Holy Spirit is simply to say, is it consistent with um, the Bible in a more broad sense than just Jesus, and not just consistent with how I see it, but is it consistent with how the community of believers sees it? See, one of the most important things that we can do as a Christian is to be in community so that we have all of these other people and their wisdom and their discernment that can help us to say, yeah, this is right. And it seems good to me and to them and to um, the Holy Spirit. So we need to be able to weigh and test in the context of community and not just be uh, isolated renegades or, you know, cowboys out there doing our own thing. Community is so important to uh, real maturity. Uh, and the last thing I asked uh, is simply, and this, this lines up with 1 Corinthians 14.3, it says, But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So I said to myself, is this experience about strengthening, encouragement, uh, and comfort? Uh, now, it may also, you know, like the Holy Spirit will talk to us at times to bring conviction. So it doesn't necessarily have to be fun, but it does need to strengthen or encourage or comfort I think that that's a really good standard that we can apply to, to saying, is this what I'm feeling actually from God? I think that um, the best way that we can hear from God like that is to allow the Holy Spirit into the creative, intuitive part of our experience. Uh, and the best way that I can describe this is like saying, it's like when we go to a movie. I go to a movie and in the movie, things happen that I know aren't true, but I allow myself to relax into that story 
And I allow myself to be moved by that. I allow myself to cry or I allow myself to laugh. I allow myself to engage with my uh, creative self as I enjoy this experience. And so when we come to prayer, we need to allow ourselves to experience God. We need to allow ourselves, give permission to ourselves to cry, give permission to ourselves to feel a sense of joy or peace. Uh, If we only come into that and we apply all our rational critical, I don't know if you've ever gone to the movies with someone my wife's probably nodding her head looking at me now. And they spend the whole time being cynical. I do this a lot with reality TV. She just wants to enjoy the stupid cooking shows. And I want to point out how dumb things are. Um, and it ruins that experience. And we can do the same in our faith life by allowing the, the uh, a part of our mind and our doubts or our fears or whatever to come in and and dictate for us whether or not we are allowed to engage. I have made a decision in my rational mind to trust in the truth of the word of God and the person of Jesus and the life that he lived and his death and his resurrection. And because I've done that, I can also in prayer and in that place where I seek God and in worship, uh, I can allow myself to just simply say, I trust God. My rational mind can sit down because I trust God. And then I can allow my creative, intuitive self to open up so that I can feel and experience uh, something in my relationship with him. So when we pray, we need to give permission to ourselves to experience God. We need to put aside the doubt and the fear and set aside uh, even our burdens. And we need to open ourselves up and be vulnerable. Uh, And I know for some people being vulnerable is really hard because we've been hurt. And we've been hurt in churches. We've been hurt uh, by people coming up and uh, imposing their nonsense on us or, um, you know, like praying in an aggressive, combative way at us. But right now. You are completely isolated. You're in your house. No one else is around. You can go to your room. You can pray. You can see God. You don't have to worry about how anyone else thinks you look. You don't have to worry about how anyone else is going to interact with you. You can just say, God, I'm going to set aside my doubts and fears for a moment because I would like to experience you. And maybe something beautiful will happen. So this week when you pray, uh, and in, in a moment, Natalie's actually going to lead us in a, a time of prayer uh, and a, bit, a, a more of a reflective meditation. And then we're going to have some communion. So maybe you can even do this now. Um, put aside your concerns or your worries or your even your doubts or your fears and allow yourself just to know you are safe. Uh, nobody's going to push you over. There's no expectation for you to behave in a certain way. There's no rule book as to what's right in terms of your experience of God. Just relax. And, and listen for his still small voice. Because uh, God loves you and he wants you to experience his presence. He wants you to understand his supernatural peace and he wants you to be comforted and he wants you to know his forgiveness uh, when you come to him in, in, with a humble and repentant heart. And he wants you to experience his love and his joy. So we're going to have some uh, a time of... Um, breakout groups just quickly, and then we're going to come back for that shared uh, prayer time with Natalie and and have communion together. Uh, so maybe, um, you know, as we uh, do these breakout groups, pick up your device and go and find some communion that you can share with after that. Uh, I have a few questions that I'd like you to address in those groups, uh, so I'll, I'll copy those into the comments. Uh, the questions, though, uh, firstly is, what does it mean for you to experience the presence of God? What does that mean for you? Uh, Secondly, what stops you from experiencing the presence of God? What gets in the way? What are the things that happen or the things that are going on in your mind or in your uh, environment that stop you from that experiencing the presence of God? Three, do you have any stories about finding God outside of a corporate worship experience? 
Because uh, I think that it's we, we are by nature, when we're in community all together, it is easier to connect with God in that way. So do you have experiences outside of corporate worship where you have connected with God? And the last one is, can you remember a time when you felt God's peace about something? So I don't necessarily mean some huge, you know, crazy experience. I just mean that I, that sense of, you know, actually, I feel okay about this. This is going to be all right. Uh, maybe just uh, it'd be great to share that in our small groups as well. So I'll, I'll um, post that into the comment section so that everyone can see that. And I will break us into some groups now. Uh, we don't want to spend a long time in the groups. Uh, so maybe between five and 10 minutes. Uh, but if you finish much earlier, flick me a message uh, and I'll, I'll call them up sooner than that. Okay, so I hope everyone's small groups were uh, really excellent, and I'm going to hand over to Natalie now, who is going to uh, lead us in a time of uh, prayer and reflection and communion. I am. Um, yeah, so I, I'm just going to share a little bit about how I'm going, kind of where I'm up to first, and then lead us into um, the time of the guided prayer. Um, so a little bit about me at the moment. I... I'm kind of still recovering from epic burnout. I think the end of last year and the beginning of this year was just full on. And so I just feel like I'm still recovering from that. And so ISO life for me is actually exactly what I need um, because the slowness and the quiet mm. is, is what my, my soul kind of craves at the moment. And I read something the other day that I wanted to share with you. And it said, our lives often seem like overpacked suitcases busting at the seams. And when I read that, I was like, oh my God, like that's me. I'm that suitcase that you kind of have to lay on to do the zip up. And that like, that's what my insides feel like. She goes on to say, I am tired, not so much because of the hard physical work that my grandparents and great grandparents did sunrise to sunset on their farms. My weariness is an internal, mental and emotional tiredness that comes from the frantic pace of life around me and inside my mind. It's from trying to keep my suitcase from busting open, even as I try to stuff more things in there. And so for me, I was like, yes, it's even now, life is calm, life is slow, life doesn't have a lot in it, but still the weight from the mental load that I carry, Lee often leaves me in a heap at the end of the day, often trying to numb my exhaustion with overwhelming amounts of screen time just to be able to kind of cope and get through. And so I get to a Sunday and I finish church and I feel re-energized to walk with Jesus and to better, a better um, kind of draw alongside him. But then I get to Monday, Tuesday, and I've just fallen into my old patterns once again. And I'm just overcome with the fact that I need more of Jesus in my life. And that's, that's where I'm at. So I just wanted to say that if you have any of those feelings, if that resonates with you at all, I don't have the answers. Um, but I do know that God is really gracious and meets us once again today with an outstretched hand. And so that's Place that I come to this prayer time with just going Jesus I'm here once again and I want to meet with you and would you come and fill me up and and um, draw alongside me 
So I'm going to do a time of guided prayer and reflection. Um, and especially if you have children, I know that this can be a challenge. Um, I get that. And so I just encourage you, if it's challenging for you, if there's a lot of things going on around you, to just take the micro moments that you get in it. Um, things will keep distracting you. Just keep coming back, coming back to that one moment because Jesus can actually do something really amazing in one little moment. So if all you get in this is one little moment with Jesus, that is actually enough. So Ellen's just going to do a little bit of playing in the background. Um, and I just encourage you right now to just close your so if we all just close our eyes and just sit for a moment Psalm 62 verse 5 let all that I am Wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. I'm just going to read that again. Let that just wash over you. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. I just encourage you to take long, deep, slow breaths. Just slow your body and your mind down. Just pay attention to your breathing. Watch your breath. Just go in and out. And just be present in this moment. You just release the constant chatter in your mind. And as a thought comes, just let it go. As quickly as it comes, as quickly as it goes out. Just focus back on that breathing. I encourage you to notice God's presence all around you. Notice God's presence in you right now. If it's helpful, picture God sitting across from you. Just welcome his love and joy and peace from the Holy Spirit as he shares that with you. Just open your imagination to God. Let him speak to you in the ways that he is trying right now. Share with him something that has delighted you this week. Would you share with him something that you are grateful for. Share with him any concern or burden that you might have 
that might be weighing on you, that you are carrying around. Just give it to him. You don't actually have to do anything in this time. It's not about doing. We're just sitting in God's presence and experiencing his peace. She just let the peace of Jesus reign over you. Hear God tell you that you are loved. Hear him tell you that you are enough. And give thanks for we have a good God. And as we sit in this space with God, I encourage you, if you've got your communion there, to just get that now and and to share in this communion and that it would be the physical representation of this connection that we hold right now, this connection that we that we hold with Jesus so close. Let the physical act of taking communion be that, um, yeah, that physical representation. So I encourage you to do that. And as you as you take your communion, I'm just going to pray to to close us. I thank you, Father. I thank you that you are our faithful friend. That you are our constant. That you are our hope. I pray that the peace of Christ would rule in our hearts right now. That your stillness, Father, would refresh our souls. Would you walk with us as we navigate this week and help us find contentment in communion with you? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Natalie, for leading us in that time of prayer uh, and in communion. And that brings us to the close of our service. I hope that everyone enjoyed today. And I uh, will hopefully be seeing you soon. It looks like uh, some restrictions are being reduced, so hopefully we'll be able to get together and have coffee and um do things a little bit more normally in the near future.